Hello everyone and welcome to the sixth episode of Wind Talks. We have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Aarti Bair, who's a renowned psychiatrist from the city of Mysore. Before we get into hear her story, let's have a brief intro. Dr. Aarti Bair is a highly skilled and experienced consulting psychiatrist who has been practicing at Apollo BGS Hospital in Mysore since 2004. She completed her MBBS from Tanjore Medical College in 1998 and went on to earn her MD in psychiatry from KMC Manipal in 2002. In addition to her medical qualifications, Dr. Aarti also holds a postgraduate diploma in medical law and ethics from NLSIU Bangalore, which she obtained in 2016. Prior to joining Apollo BGS Hospital, Dr. Aarti worked as an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at KMC Manipal for two years. She has presented six papers at both national and international conferences and has also authored chapters in two books related to psychiatry. Her areas of special interest include mental disorders in women, OCD and the medical legal aspects of psychiatry her expertise in a range of areas within psychiatry combined with her compassionate approach to patient care makes her a valuable asset to the healthcare industry guys sit back relax and join us as we dive into the conversation with our esteemed guest thank you so much dr arthi for joining us today um When we were putting together this entire podcast, we thought let's do our last episode um, on mental health. And uh, who better than you? Uh, we thought let's quickly reach out to her and see if she's really up to talk to all of us on mental health. Uh, a few very important topics like depression, anxiety, what is happiness? And uh, let, let us get to know about your journey as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks Deepa for having having me here first of all. And anything related to mental health I'm always up for it. Thanks you. <laughs> um so I wanted to know uh, your journey has been quite interesting. Uh why did you take up psychiatry and uh, how has the journey been so far? So um <laughs> I I wasn't sure if I was going to become a, a doctor itself. I belong to a family of doctors. Okay. So my dad always envisioned all of us becoming doctors and he achieved that. <laughs> uh but I was I was brought up in a boarding school so I was sent by my parents at a very young age at the age of 9 to a boarding school for better education. And like in all in those days almost all schools probably just stressed on the morality you know the discipline that they inculcated the character building and all that stuff so no one would ask you to become this or that in a school like that uh we were left free and i thought i would become an architect oh, wow. <laughs> but i don't know at which stage did my father brainwash me <laughs> in a very diplomatic and subtle manner and and told me to become a doctor and and that's how i am a doctor today and i don't regret that at all mm-hmm. so i i i think the decision that he took for me that day was probably the right decision um so i i i took up an exam and through all india i landed up 
all the way from Uttar Pradesh to Tanjavur, oh, wow. <laughs> a small place at that time in Tamil Nadu to do my MBBS. It was a government hostel. Uh-huh. Uh, it was difficult initially, but I think the adaptability, the adjustment that we were made to learn in our hostel life mm-hmm. as so young, I think helped me out in surviving all those things. Nothing bad happened, but then, you know, definite adjustments were required, you know, looking at the uh, the cultural differences, the social differences, everything was very different uh, for me, the language, you know, people around me, everything was very different. So after I became a doctor, then, you know, we all appear for our PG exam. And through the, that exam, I got into Manipal and uh, over there, I wanted to take up skin, the mat. And uh, unfortunately, that year, there was just one seat and it was reserved for the Manipal candidate. So I couldn't take it up. Okay. And then there were other other seats and I was very sure I didn't want gynecology, which is supposed to be the happening branch for all females, because I had two gynecologists in my house and I knew their lives, how, <laughs> how difficult it could get. So I, I wanted something. I was always a people's person. Okay. I, I didn't want things like pathology or uh, anesthesia in which, you know, you're not in connect with with anyone, uh, with anyone or with a patient. Mm-hmm. So And then there was psychiatry. So I took up psychiatry. I still had my mind on uh, dermatology. I thought maybe next time, you know, the All India exam is coming up in another three months time. I should attempt for it and, you know, try to get a dermat seat. But in those three months, what transpired was a big influence of my um, professor, Professor Sharma, uh, who played a key role in keeping me in psychiatry. Okay. I mean, the way he taught us psychiatry, the way he practiced psychiatry, mm-hmm. his ethics, his uh, you know the way he used to take care of patients really impressed me a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's how my journey began and I'm here now. <laughs> Wonderful. I think uh, this clearly shows us, you know, that Sometimes you're destined to do something else, but it takes you in a direction that you really are supposed to be at. Absolutely. Uh, on the same lines, like we're so confused as humans as to what we want to do. If I have to uh, tell you that like, there's so much confusion all around us uh, when we look at mental health. So they say that someone called us a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, a therapist. So what is it that Dr. Aarti does? He has to, you know, put it across to the common people out there. So as a doctor, you all must be knowing that, you know, a medical doctor has the role of taking away someone's pain. Mm -hmm. Okay, keeping them mentally, physically, socially, you know, uh, healthy and making them a useful part of the society. Absolutely. So as a psychiatrist, my role is to take away the emotional pain. So what I do is, you know, uh, look at people, take their history. If the patient is unable to give me history, take history from their family members Mm -hmm. and then get to a diagnosis and then treat them likewise. Now, what happens is that first I'll tell you the difference between psychiatry and other medical branches. There's a lot of difference that exists Mm -hmm. in between those two. Um, In other branches, you know, a person comes and he says, the doctor, I have fever or the doctor takes your BP measurement and he, he diagnoses you with hypertension mm-hmm. or he advises some tests and in that test your thyroid levels are haywire and he says that you have some thyroid disorder or you have a blood sugar problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever I can say is that such a thing does not exist in psychiatry. Okay. So <laughs> everything is based upon what we observe in a patient, 
the history that we take out of the patient, the relevant history, I must say. I mean, the patient will come and tell us everything about him. But, you know, we have to pick up and uh, filter out whatever is necessary for us, take the relevant history from uh, the attenders or the family members and then come to a diagnosis. Now, in the process of this, there are people who think that, you know, psychiatry is only about counselling. It isn't just that way. Now, psychiatry has a, has a bio-psychosocial basis behind it. Okay. So the biological basis of it is related to all the chemicals that are there in our brain. Okay. Any imbalance in those chemicals mm -hmm. leads on to various kind of psychiatric disorders. Okay. So these disorders then manifest in the form of, you know, changes in behavior. Mm -hmm. So a person who was very lively, you know, is just to himself, mm -hmm. not talking to others. Or, you know, a person who was very motivated, you know, just suddenly gives up on everything. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's sleep disturbance, there's appetite disturbance. So the manifestations can be various. But in that, uh, in those manifestations, then we detect what the problem is and then we give medicines. Mm -hmm. Also, we do a lot of therapy or psychological support to the patient and help them out, you know, likewise. So, for example, in case of diabetes, there's a, a patient who's given, you know, his pills to take his anti-diabetic pills. Along with that, the doctor advises lifestyle modification like exercise and, you know, diet. Same thing exists with psychiatry. So there are medicines and then there are non-medical interventions. Okay. So the non-medical part of it is the counseling or the social support or the psychological support. That is provided by the counselors or the psychologists. Okay. Wonderful. I think uh, you've given us an understanding that, you know, it is a holistic approach. It's not just about something to do with uh, I listened to you for quite some time and then you know you have your problems are solved but it's a balance of three things that you know which will help us in getting back on track is what you're talking True. to us about. True. We spoke about what you do and you, how, how your journey has been and uh, whenever you know we come across mental health and everything to do with mental well-being there are some misconceptions around mental health in general and the mental health care that we have to seek. So what are these misconceptions that are around us? Well, they are multiple. <laughs> so uh, the first and foremost that we come across is, you know, uh, you give us sleeping medicines oh. and will we get addicted to these medicines and what kind of side effects will it have? So... Uh, so so I, I would like to bust the myth, myths as well, you know, while I talk to you about the misconceptions. So one thing is there that, you know, we don't always only give sleeping pills. Okay. Yes, we give it to it as and when it is required, but it is not that all the time a patient is getting sleeping pills by any psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Generally, it is given initially in the initial part of the treatment. Mm -hmm. And as we tell them to taper it off, the patient should listen to us and follow up with us and take it away. They obviously don't get, you know, dependent on medicines. Then how long will you continue the medicines? Mm -hmm. Now, each illness in everyone acts differently. Like you must have seen many patients with diabetes. There's one patient who takes a pill a day and, you know, he's fine the entire life. Mm -hmm. There's another one who requires insulin with pills. There's another one, you know, who in spite of doing everything also lands up with kidney failure and with retinopathy, means eye disorders and everything else. So what we are susceptible to, we don't know. If we have an illness, how the illness is going to behave in us is different from the same illness behavior in another person. Psychiatry too, you know, is, uh, is in a similar form. 
So when a patient with depression or schizophrenia or bipolar comes to us, probably the first time itself, I cannot tell them that, you know, how long you have to be on medicine. We have to observe how the illness behaves in that particular person mm -hmm. and then decide upon the treatment. Yes. Usually, uh, you know, people who come to us have to be on treatment for a year at least. So if the illness recurs, then they have to be on it for three to five years. And, you know, if there's a very strong genetic history, that is, there's a family history attached to it, then probably even lifelong. Mm -hmm. So it's not in every patient that, uh, uh, you know, we give medicines lifelong. Yeah. It's, it's very few. And if there is any side effects, obviously, you know, we let them know. It is not that, you know, we're giving them medicines just without letting them know. So that is one thing about medicines. Then they say that, you know, um, only mad people come to us. Oh, so, you know, there are patients who come to me and tell me that, you know, doctor, I've been thinking of coming to you for the past two years. Okay. I mean, are we that scary that, you know, they don't come to us. But they come and tell us because, you know, we were afraid that, you know, people would call us mad or things like that. Uh, now, again, the example of a physician I would take. So you go to the physician with a simple cold and you also go to the physician for, you know, a stroke or a heart attack. Yeah. Same thing exists with us. Mm -hmm. So you come with simple adjustment disorders or anxiety or depression. And there are people whom we treat even for, you know, schizophrenia and bipolar, the major mental disorders. Right. So everyone who comes to us doesn't have a major illness. You could come to us with the common mental disorders like anxiety and depression as well. Uh, then, you know, uh, there are people who, who think that, you know, we face read. So they come to us the first time and they sit in front of us and they say that, you know, doctor, tell me how, how I am. And I just tell them that, you know, I'm no baba to, you know, face read you. You have to tell me your illness and your discomfort or whatever problems that you're facing. And then only I can diagnose you. Uh, these are the usual myths. And, and then there are people who come to me and say that, you know, I've brought my son and he's been having this kind of a problem for, for the past three years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, one counseling would do. Mm -hmm. One session with a person who's having a problem for the past three years. You know, we are no jadugars to do anything. We are no magicians. So I, I think people should know that they have to come recurrently like they go to other doctors mm -hmm. regularly and, you know, get rid of their problems. Then there is a sect of people who believe that, you know, doing religious practices will make them get rid of mental illness. Okay. Um, so they take them to various dargahs, to various temples, make them stay there. Uh, sometimes, you know, a lot of uh, unwanted behavior is meted out to these patients in these places. They're hit because, you know, they, they think that they're being possessed by a spirit. Um, families, you know, they waste a lot of money on all these things. Um, things don't get settled down with religious practices. When there is an illness, you know, you have a pain, you go to an orthopedician, okay? Yeah. You have a mental illness, you come to us. Yeah. So they need to be treated properly. Just following all these religious practices or yoga does give you mental well-being. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't help you in treating, yes, treating the disease. These are the usual myths that, you know, we come across. Wow. <laughs> I, I never knew that, you know, uh, I knew there is the taboo and a misconception around this. I, I absolutely agree that there is a fear to go seek help. help. But I didn't know it was to such an extent that it revolves around uh, religious uh, practices that go around could possibly help us out in this. On the same lines, uh, you told us about the myth 
and the misconceptions. If I have to seek help, what am I supposed to be doing? What is the most important thing? Now, uh, see, whenever we are stressed out, we sh we should first acknowledge that, you know, there is a problem in me and I'm facing some kind of a stressful event. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. Okay. If we keep saying that, no, no, this is nothing, uh, nothing is affecting me, when we are being affected, mm -hmm. I think you cannot take help there. Yeah. So the acknowledgement of the fact that, yes, I am going through something difficult is the first step. And then saying that, yes, I need help for it is the second major step. Yeah. Now that help, initially you could take it probably from your loved ones. It could be, you know, your friends, your family or whatever. Uh, but there is a point to which they can give you help. So if you think that the problem is persisting, you're still feeling stressed and that stress is, you know, interfering with your day-to-day -day living or your work or your personal life, I think that's the point that you have to meet a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what happens usually is that, you know, whenever they're shy to say, you know, that I need to go to a psychiatrist because what will my family think? Okay. Oh, uh, how will they react? Yeah. Okay. So there are always people in each family or there are friends in each friend circle who understand the mental health concepts. Yes. And uh, I'm sure they are the ones, you know, whom you should reach out to. There are many people who come on their own. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't see them coming. In fact, I call their family members later on to educate them about it. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised to know that, you know, about uh, six months back, there was this 12-year-old boy mm -hmm. who Googled his own symptoms and thought that he had depression. Okay. And he called his mother and he said that, you know, I have a problem. I have found a doctor also for it. Oh, wow. And he brought his mother <laughs> along with him for consultation. So that's how, you know, open the younger generation is. I hope it continues this that way. <laughs> Cross our fingers. Absolutely. Uh, you spoke about depression. And uh, let's dive a little more deeper into some very much, I would call it core but common uh, uh, topics that go around. And which is seen largely amongst uh, the younger generation today. Depression, anxiety, stress. And it could be like, uh, you know, how, most of the times when you listen to anyone, they're like, no, I'm so stressed. I think I'm depressed. And it's casually just, you know, talked about, I feel so depressed today. And you, so what really is depression? What is anxiety? And what is stress? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> a life without stress, I think, is unimaginable. So if someone would say that I am not stressed, I would say that, you know, you're either lying or you're mentally retarded that you can't assess stress in your life. So it's okay. It's okay to be stressed. And, you know, it's okay to recognize stress. But then when the stress starts becoming overwhelming, mm -hmm. like I said, you know, it, it starts affecting our personal, our personal life. It starts affecting our work. It starts affecting, you know, our relationships mm -hmm. around us. It starts affecting our sleep, appetite. It starts affecting our self-esteem, the way we look at ourselves, okay? Then I think that is the point that, you know, uh, we should think that it could be something more than that. So uh, anxiety is, is the term which we use for, you know, many disorders in psychiatry. So it could manifest in different ways in which, you know, the person is always on the edge, is restless about as to what will happen next and, uh, you know, why isn't this thing turning out to be right for me? Mm -hmm. uh, expectations, you know, not being fulfilled, 
okay, they want them to be fulfilled, but it's not happening in the right timeline that, you know, a person has decided for themselves. So all those things, they create a lot of uh, anxiety in a person mm -hmm. that could affect the sleep, appetite pattern, concentration, okay, and uh, would definitely, you know, throw them off guard and not be in, uh, in a regular life uh, that, you know, one would be leading earlier on. Mm -hmm. So that would be anxiety. But when a person starts, you know, thinking that uh, my life is becoming worthless, I'm hopeless, I, I don't, you know, deserve to live in this world. Okay. I probably, you know, I'm losing interest in everything. So when the sadness kind of thing comes in, mm -hmm. when it's not alone anxiety, the sadness which actually pervades all the spheres of your life mm -hmm. and it's lasting for two weeks or more, okay. then that we, you know, we say that this is clinical depression. Okay. And that's a point where, you know, you have to take help, some form of help. Because these are the people who don't realize they let go of things and uh, ideas of suicide come into their mind. Mm -hmm. They attempt suicides. Mm -hmm. um, suicide is one of the major factors, I mean, uh, major problems in today's, uh, you know, world, mm -hmm. taking away lives. And these are preventable deaths. So when we talk so much about, you know, road traffic accidents, helmet safety, when we talk so much about, you know, heart attacks, how to save ourselves, why aren't we talking about mental health? Yes. You know, when it is a preventable, uh, you know, death, yeah. uh, we lose so many people to suicides every year. Uh, you, you know, you were just talking to us about, like, it is preventable. Uh, wh what do you think we can do as... Uh, people who live around our friends, uh, when we see something, I'm sure all of us observe changes. It's not like, um, uh, it's it's unobservable. So what, what do you think as friends or, you know, family members, the first thing that we could do when we see there's a change? How do we approach the situation? So uh, the first thing that one, per that a family member or a friend can do is, you know, go and tell the person that, you know, I think, uh, you know, you're looking a little different. You're not looking like yourself. Mm -hmm. If there's anything, I'm there to speak, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm there to hear you out. Mm -hmm. Please talk it out to me. Mm -hmm. Now, if you see and observe that, you know, over the days, the person is still not talking. Mm -hmm. Okay, be around the person at least. Okay. Don't leave that person alone. Mm -hmm. If the person starts talking, the first and foremost rule for any person is don't be judgmental. It's very important. It's it's the 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 patient who feels that I will be judged and hence doesn't speak out mm -hmm. to many people. So when you know he's being you know just listened to without being judged about something, mm -hmm. I think they will definitely talk about it. about it. If the family can help them out and if the patient starts feeling better, it's fine. But if the family feels and the friends feel that you know this is going beyond us. I think the best thing is to take him to a doctor and start treatment. Mm -hmm. Only a single person cannot do it. So have, you know, two or three group of people, you know, who can actually, you know, cajole the person and get them to yeah. the doctor. Many a times, many mental illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar, mm -hmm. a patient may lose insight. So they don't know that they are suffering from a problem. So this is not like depression alone. In depression, we know that we are going into depression. Mm -hmm. There's another sect of disorders in which they don't realize that they're going into a problem. So those are the cases who may refuse to come to a doctor. Mm -hmm. So in those cases, you need to have, you know, a, a person whom 
the patient listens to an elder or, or trusts. And then, you know, you can bring them to a mental health professional. Um, I don't know if this might sound really bizarre, but can someone, what is happiness? And can someone really be happy and depressed and, you know, be sad? Mm-hmm. Okay. Happiness is a very, very subjective thing. I mean, okay. I, I don't think uh, you can get a perfect definition of happiness. Okay. It's very subjective. I mean, I may be happy with just 100 bucks in my pocket. Doing, you may not be happy even with one crore. Okay. Um, it's not alone about money. It's about, you know, then friends that we have or, you know, social circles, the amount of work I'm putting in or, you know, what I want to do. So it's not alone that the definition is is a very firm one. It's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. You would have noticed as a child, what made you happy no longer makes you happy now. And maybe 10 years down the line, you know, something else may come up which may make you happy and not, yeah. uh, you know, the things which are making you happy right now. So it's a very dynamic process and it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. But if you feel at peace, if you feel that, okay, things are going fine, mm-hmm. um, I think we should accept that and be happy with it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about being happy and sad at the same time, Yes, it is possible in a way that, you know, God has given us a lot of emotions that we, you know, uh, project every day. Yeah. Happiness, sadness, anger, disgust, Mm -hmm. hatred, all these are form of, uh, you know, emotions. We see in the Bharatnatya, you know, how many emotions. Now, in that we see that, you know, we can feel happy. Now, say, take, for example, a person who's leaving for a new job to a new place. He's looking forward to that job. Yeah. He's happy about it. Yeah. At the same time, he's sad about leaving his mom, dad, his comfort of home yeah. over there. So emotions are a part of life. They are a very valid and very important part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's okay to have you know different kind of emotions at the same time. Mm-hmm. But if you're clinically depressed, like I explained to you, you know, yeah. two weeks long of you know sad mood and you know interfering with the rest of your life. It's not possible for that person to be depressed and be happy at the same time. Same time. Yeah. Um, I, I clearly understood a lot of very, very important things. But then I also know that you're someone who is very, very interested and has worked uh, with women and their mental health. So uh, let's move in that direction now and talk about uh, women and their mental health and why sometimes uh, you know when women are really going through some kind of say a mental health issue it's labeled as it's normal it's because of your hormones or possibly you know you must be on your periods is why you're behaving a certain way is this true Uh, or uh, are we as women overreacting about this and making a big issue about it or is there a, a logical explanation to what this is all about? There is a definite logical explanation. So <clears throat> women are more vulnerable to mm-hmm. mental health issues, especially issues like anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and attempted suicides as well okay. Okay, compared to men. Okay. Now, a lot of it happens during the phases of their hormonal cycles. Uh, the first one, like you pointed out, just before period. So in the clinical terms, we call it as premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Okay. So that happens, you know, three or four days before a, a, a woman's period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's irritability, mm-hmm. not liking something, restlessness, anger and other things. Mm-hmm. 
which subsides with the onset of periods. Mm -hmm. The second phase is the pregnancy and the postpartum phase. Yes. So everyone calls, you know, pregnancy a blissful phase of life. <laughs> But actually, as psychiatrists, we know that, you know, the onset of new symptoms of uh, psychiatric disorders mm -hmm. are there in during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Postpartum also, you know, a high pre prevalence of psychiatric disorders is seen yeah. in, in these people. So those are the times again wherein, you know, people, uh, the women are predisposed to having depression, postpartum blues. Mm -hmm. They may have postpartum psychosis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, that obviously affects the woman's health and it also affects the baby's health because, you know, the baby is dependent on the mother at that time. The third phase in life is the perimenopausal period. Mm -hmm. So when the periods are going to come to a standstill. So that two or three years phase just before mm -hmm. and after the periods get stopped mm -hmm. is a vulnerable phase for a woman mm -hmm. wherein, you know, the uh, the hormones go haywire And the, the woman is more predisposed to anxiety and depression. So these are the phases wherein mm -hmm. they, they actually face, uh, face all these problems. Yes, women are, you know, told sometimes that it's all in your head and things like that. Um, see, when you look at a woman's life, uh, uh, see, I mean, we are the entitled ones, probably I can say. Mm -hmm. There's so many women who are actually, you know, working day in and day out without any word of appreciation from anyone. Yeah. The so-called housewives, the homemakers. Yeah. Uh, they have a non-paid job throughout the day. Yeah. Unacknowledged. Yeah. Okay. And they never appreciated. Okay. There's only fault finding. Yeah. Where does that woman go to to talk about her problems? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So these women actually, you know, manifest their problems in, in, in a way uh, we call it as psychosomatic disorders. Okay. In which they have a lot of pain symptoms. Okay. Headache, backache, you know, uh, limbs aching, mm -hmm. or leg pain, cramps, okay. abdominal pain, chest pain. Mm -hmm. And they keep going from doctor to doctor and hospital to hospital. Mm -hmm. And all the investigations are all right every time they go. Okay. And all the time, you know, they're being looked down upon the family members. See, you complained last time also. I took you this time to the hospital. You're again normal. What's wrong with you each time I can't keep taking you? You know, it's all in your head. Yeah. What's all in the head? We need to analyze that, yeah. right? So this is some kind of a uh, cry for, you know, wanting attention. Yeah. Why is that cry for wanting attention? Because this woman is not being appreciated for her work. Yeah. So there is suppression. Of there is, yes. So that depressed, you know, uh, you know, those wishes in, in the person actually manifest in these painful symptoms which come out, uh, you know, only in medical OPDs or, uh, you know, in other all other specialities but psychiatry. Quite interesting, I never... Um, if, you know, we look at this, that really women aren't crazy is what you just said, that there are a reason, certain reasons... Also, there are reasons that hormones play a very, very uh, vital role in the way, uh, you know, we lead our lives. Um, lately, when you look at it, like you just said, that uh, the lot many women going through uh, a sudden rise in, you know, anxiety and depression, um, say postpartum, uh, because they they leave the work and they're at home. And there is a balance that they're trying to strike between 
the career that they want and the life that they have to lead and it ends up in such a state that you can cannot even talk to someone at home about it neither can you you're so scared to go talk to a psychiatrist i don't know i mean you doctors are really scary i don't know for what reason <laughs> but there is uh, uh i would say there's a taboo around it mainly that um, we are we are labeled that there's something wrong with us and like you said it's so difficult to go seek help to all the women out there who are trying to balance these two main aspects of their lives uh one is their career and the other their work i mean uh, bringing up a child what is the one thing that you would want to reach out to them and let them know that you know uh seek help when when it's right and what is it that they need to do as mothers so that it's right for them and the baby right so we always say that you know it's only a healthy mother who can bring up a healthy child mm mm-hmm. irrespective whether the child is in the womb or outside the womb yeah yeah and health for us is not alone physical health mm-hmm. it's also mental and emotional health mm-hmm. the child starts perceiving you know a mom's touch as soon as uh, the child is born so they're very perceptive if the mother is anxious or depressed obviously she tries to either keep the child away or not bring him so close or become too clingy also okay so the child's perception of the mother is different in these cases mm-hmm. um so the mother identifying that i am suffering from an emotional issue is very important mm-hmm. sometimes they don't identify the family member should identify um yes the mother like you said you know goes through a lot of uh, worries it's not alone about bringing up the child mm-hmm. about the inability of you know trying to bring up a child you know like i will i be able to do it uh, that's that's the primary question that keeps coming up and especially when they are depressed or stressed at that time postpartum the question becomes all the more magnified mm-hmm. i am suffering how will i be able to take care of the child mm-hmm. okay yes leaving their career mm-hmm. okay uh the family's attention also you know goes towards the child yeah. and less towards the mother mm-hmm. so till now you know she had all the attention till pregnancy yeah. and now suddenly it's a divided attention mm-hmm. most homes you know they are separated from the husband because you know they are brought over to the mother's mm-hmm. house and various family dynamics also influence it mm-hmm. along with the major part of the hormonal changes also that take place mm-hmm. all this brings about a change now to all those women i'll just say that you know it's it's just a part and parcel of life it's a phase of life mm-hmm. uh you know that you are blessed to bring about a child mm-hmm. the man cannot <laughs> yes so if it is a phase just try to enjoy the phase as much as possible mm-hmm. if you have a problem and if you think that you are feeling very stressed out you are depressed reach out to a mental health professional mm-hmm. don't let go of it mm-hmm. and the family members please stop saying things like it's all in your head yeah to make the woman feel you know as if what am i doing or what am i saying yeah. am i not being right mm-hmm. right now when i should be perfect uh so these things you know like i said it should be a non judgmental listening out to a person that a family can do and then bring them over to a mental health professional yes. um on the same topic of women and mental health uh what do you think is the sudden rise that you see uh in when it comes to women and mental health issues and what is it that has gone up lately when you know you see a lot of women out there 
who come to you with you know like i now anxiety depression have all become quite a common subject in every household but what is it that you know that has also gone up lately and uh, that you thought that wasn't a part of this but you know there's a sudden spike in it uh social media use <laughs> so aman i didn't expect this <laughs> uh, so there is depression anxiety definitely on the rise okay mm-hmm. india is facing a mental health epidemic right now okay okay and uh, i mean i i hope the governments are aware of it because they need to do something about it but uh, so definitely all those things are on the rise uh apart from that the social media influences a lot of our decision making these days especially the youngsters okay the young women who are just stepping out of home who are going into jobs are really being influenced a lot one the second thing is spending a lot of time on the social media okay, okay. the third thing is balancing their work and life okay uh most of our families have become nuclear now we no longer have the support of someone staying back at home doing your chores um a lot of mothers these days think that if my child a female child is studying i don't need to disturb them about teaching them anything it's nothing to do about female children or whatever i would say you know as mothers i think we should start teaching both our male and our female children how to go go and do your household chores once they are up to it their adaptability in life will definitely improve the resilience of this new generation is very poor yeah because they are always cocooned in something yeah they are being provided with whatever they ask for yeah. they get it yeah. in real life situation will they get everything no probably not so if if they have that adaptability that when i don't get something and i have to work hard towards it it's a normal situation yeah. it's nothing abnormal absolutely i think learning that at a young age is very important mm-hmm. so to all the mothers out there i would tell them that you know start teaching your children how to become adaptable and resilient in life mm-hmm. okay and to all those women over there you know who are talking about feminism yes you are there okay you are working and you are pitching in your effort but that doesn't mean that you know we forget our role in life there are certain roles that we all have been born with yes i think we do things a few things better and the men folk do a few other things better, better. Yeah. let's not fight about it Absolutely. let's encourage each other and build up on each other's capacities rather than you know pushing the other person down or saying that i can't do it or i will not do it social media why i was stressing on is that you know it's uh, uh, people are getting very influenced so they see uh, one person posting a picture mm-hmm. they they think that my life is not going in this direction mm-hmm. uh a lot of patients we see who are being bullied on social media these days okay. youngsters i didn't know it existed in india it does mm-hmm. um a lot of relationships cropping up without knowing the person at a personal level uh so you know very young girls that 17 18 years Uh, age group getting gullible you know getting influenced by the other person okay and taking up wrong decisions at that time when your you know mind is not that mature to take up correct kind of decisions for yourself so we have to be a little careful about social media usage um 
I absolutely didn't expect this to be your answer and it's quite surprising to see that you know all this does exist in India. Um we've come to the end of uh this wonderful session on uh mental health and uh before you know we wrap up the session I really want to know uh what would be your few words of say um wise words that you would want to put out to all all those viewers there uh when it comes to mental health and uh taking control of our mental health so one i would like to talk about the stigma okay mm-hmm. and the second thing how to you know become mentally more well <laughs> like you said so uh, i mean i want the entire society to take part in removing the stigma yeah uh we don't choose our illnesses yeah i don't choose to have covid i don't choose to have diabetes i don't choose to have you know malaria mm-hmm. similarly a person doesn't choose to be mentally ill yeah so why you know look down upon them so i i would want you know people to stop looking at people who are mentally ill in a different manner and be non-judgmental like i'm going on saying that mm-hmm. okay um society has to play a bigger role you know in, in that context and uh, make them more inclusive mm-hmm. industries hiring them you know uh, people just letting them be around rather than looking them in an awkward manner the second thing you know how to be mentally well i think very very basic things mm-hmm. keep up to your clock inside your body okay we all have gone haywire with our lifestyle Yeah. Oh, you know odd times of eating or times of waking up getting up you know yeah. at 12 in the afternoon in the noon and you know sleeping at 2 at night so i think when we maintain a particular rhythm in our body mm-hmm. okay that itself helps us a lot absolutely right so having fixed you know timing of meals fixed time of uh, sleeping waking up doing a bit of exercise every day okay so physically also you know it it gives you so doing a, a particular hobby which keeps you happy mm. anything so i i don't want to suggest a hobby to someone yeah it's it's your own i mean you could be just you know driving back from work and you would want uh, to you know talk to a friend yeah. or you would want to just go back home switch on music and dance that's also fine so whatever is fine by you okay uh having a social circle around you mm-hmm. having those one or two confident uh, people around you whom you can trust and whom you can rely on in the times of need and opening out and talking to people okay and then seeking help if nothing is working out with a mental health professional perfect thank you so much for joining us today it was such a pleasure talking to you i think uh, you not only have you helped us bust a few myths uh, but also you've given us uh, uh, a better hope that you're not a scary person to approach <laughs> and that we need to seek help when we really have to thank you thank you so much for having me here deepa my pleasure this brings us to the end of season 1 of wind talks thank you for your consistent support and stay tuned to season 2 with a new team new personalities new stories and a new learning thank you stay tuned and see you soon